Today we're just loving our dive into the pre-title sequence in From Russia with Love. Hi, this is Dan Silvestri. Tom Pizzotto. I'm Vicky Algies. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our Cracking the Code of Spy Movie show. So let's go. One of the James Bond series features that are now copied extensively is the pre-title sequence. Some people call it the pre-credit sequence, others call it a teaser, but whatever you call it, starting with From Russia with Love, James Bond popularized the concept. So we're going to do some podcasts that focus on just the pre-title sequence. From Russia with Love gives us the first pre-title sequence for a James Bond movie produced by Ian Productions. Dr. No didn't have one. The pre-title sequence concept is terrific, and it's an old one. The first pre-title we found was back in the 1930 movie Viennese Nights. However, back in 1934, there was a movie called Crime Without Passion. And the pre-title sequence of that shows a gun being fired with blood dripping to the floor. Hmm, a gun fired and blood dripping. Wow. Where have we seen that before? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, In From Russia With Love, the second movie produced by Ian Productions, we're still getting to know James Bond here. So this pre-title sequence is exciting as it's their first, and it's exciting because we, the viewers, have no idea what's happening or why or what it even means. It sucks us into the movie instantly, just brilliant. So let's get to it right now. Let's go. The mood is dark. The setting is dark. And we see Bond pursued by an agent. The setting is one we're not familiar with. A night scene with some type of garden, with statuary, and with a very perplexed and worried look on James Bond's face. He does not look confident, which makes us, the viewer, nervous. He has a gun in his hand and he walks cautiously around these dark grounds with the statuary and the foliage. Lots of hiding places. We see Bond walk down some steps. Then he pauses to look at a statue, which looks like perhaps a winged mythological animal. He looks at it intently. Winged mythological creatures were never a harbinger of peace and serenity. So we think this might be the first example of statuary in this garden that represents more than just a random statue. It's a warning that something bad is going to happen. And Bond, staring at it a couple times, knows it. He hears footsteps trailing him immediately after looking at the statue. The setting at night is a great touch to the pre-title sequence as it adds the mystery and intrigue of the scene and sets the mood for the rest of the film. Shadows, who, what, where, was it real, was it not? Mixed in with the marble statues who seem to be watching and waiting, even reacting at times to the mounting tension. All right, then we see legs and Bond turning nervously telling us that he's concerned the legs we just saw are following him or tracking him. Bond is looking dapper, of course, in a tux, no less, but still looking scared. Yeah, but he's also, his complexion's a little more pale than we're used to seeing. Yeah. His lips are a little redder than we're used to seeing. Might be the night lighting and stuff. Who knows? It's, It's nighttime, I mean. Well, I think they're trying to tell us, give us a little hint as to what happens at the end of this priest title that he doesn't look quite right. I always feel there is something not quite right about Bond, to be honest. He looks nervous, on edge, as he creeps around in the undergrowth. Not as stealthy as you would expect him to be. Mm -hmm. No clear directive. Not really staying in the shadows, but using the statues as markers. Uh Movements too rushed, too indecisive. Yeah, he doesn't look good. He doesn't look good. I particularly like how the light reflects on the gravel pathway, giving an almost caged effect across the ground, 
Is Bond trapped? Is Bond being hunted? Yeah, it's intense. We see the feet trailing him climbing some stone steps. And then we see Bond looking around again. And then we see the face of the man who is after him. And Bond has his gun drawn. Then there's this sound that attracts Bond's attention behind him. Now, this is something I, I want to pay attention to here. I've watched this scene a lot. I mean, because it's one of my favorite scenes in any Bond movie, really. And I thought the man in pursuit, who we later find out is Donald Grant, who is a Spectre agent, looks like he stepped on a branch or snaps a twig or accidentally brushes up against a, a bush or something. It's a pretty loud noise. Yeah, actually, Dan, if you watch it really closely, he grabs something off of a bridge and it's a very dark thing. So he's got a dark outfit on. Mm-hmm. He's holding a dark branch in his hands yeah. and snaps it. And that's what makes them. Okay. Noise. All right. So, so my point is here, it looks like he's doing this on purpose because he clicks his mouth like, like he does something like that. And it's simultaneously with the loud noise. So it's definitely intentional. And that's the point I think that I, I've missed here a whole bunch of times. It's, it's a loud clicking noise with his mouth and with the, maybe with the twig snapping, like you're saying. So watch his mouth when he's doing this, though, because I've missed that a million times. So he's not reacting to his own carelessness, which is what maybe we first think. He's actually doing this on purpose, which is even more telling because it shows two things. One, the man in pursuit is confident. He wants to draw attention to himself and maybe scare the hell out of Bond even more. And yeah, that two, would be if you think if you think you're being pursued and you hear snap. Yeah, that would be a little frightening. Because now you're you're hearing it and it's you think oh that's kind of close. And two, it shows he's ready to act. Bond spins around looking over his right shoulder when he hears this noise right near his statue head and with the head looking in the same direction that Bond is looking. I love that. Again, I've missed that a hundred times. This is a nice touch. It focuses us on the action that will be taking place. It's really a brilliant shot. And this use of statuary in the garden is actually tremendous when you're paying attention to it. It's really cool stuff. See, I've got to be honest, I never sort of tagged that it was actually Donald Grant that was making that noise. I actually thought it was Bond who stepped on a twig Ah. and turns around (laughs) to see if he's, you know, if it, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, so that, 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 so we've, we, it's funny how we all interpret it differently. All right, so the next shot is a close-up of Grant's stern, determined face. He looks focused, sinister, and ready to complete his mission. It's a terrific shot, and Robert Shaw is just spot on with the facial expression yeah. here. <laughs> just freeze-frame this one and appreciate all he communicates with this one shot. Yeah, it's, it's hard to amazing. do. It's hard to do. And I, I think uh, Timothy Dalton did the same thing when he did his Bond movies. His face and facial expressions in a second tell you a whole lot. And here, like you said, Robert Shaw's great, great face expressions. Oh, my God. Well, and how much of that with Dalton is because of his Shakespearean background, you know, yeah. the theater background. You're, you've got to be more expressive with the face in those conditions. Yeah. So that's good to see. All right. So we're in this dark setting. And all of a sudden, we hear a bird chirp, and it takes us by surprise. Bond turns as well. Now, sometimes birds do chirp at night, mocking birds and others. Yeah. Sometimes they're signaling for a mate as there's quiet at night and less competition. Yeah. But sometimes birds chirp as a warning sign yeah. to alert others of danger. 
So this bird chirping here is a chirp of impending danger. It's another brilliant move by the writers, directors, and producers. It's a perfect moment that's easy to just pass by when watching it. It really is. And, and, and again, everything they're putting into this pre-title sequence is on purpose. It's like a poet who chooses every word carefully that goes into a poem because there's it's a very limited number of words. These guys choosing what's going into this shot is is brilliant. Here, this is it's meaningful and brilliant when you hear this bird chirp, and it's great stuff. I love it. Then we see a dark figure drifting by the screen from left to right with right hand and wrist held out. And we see Bond in the distance, but not too far beneath the shot of the hand. The camera is preparing us for the danger the birds were foretelling. Mm. Bond standing by a statue turns and fires, but obviously misses, as we see Donald Grant's face unconcerned and unafraid. But take a moment and look at the statue. These production sets and choice of what goes on in the shots are tremendous. It is a statue of a woman, both hands clasped around what appears to be a knife or a weapon about to plunge it down on its prey. On closer examination, it might be some type of torch, Mm -hmm. but it bears no light on this scene and her head is looking down, like in sadness or determination or impending doom. Just another little addition to this scene. There is a fountain and we see both figures not far behind each other. Yeah, we know from all the clues, something is going to happen and it's going to happen now. Then Bond is cautiously walking near a couple of more statues. The parts of the statues that we see, and take a close look at this one. The parts of the statue that we closely see, we really see them from the waist down. But it looks from what is shown at first that there are two large faces with their mouths agape. Look closely at this. We see eventually it's a full statue. So it's not what I'm saying, but it's a full statue. But it looks like this. It's a clever use of the statuary in the garden, perhaps alerting us again that something shocking is coming up. Yes, shocking. Then we no, see- No, that's in Goldfinger. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> then, then we see Grant pull a garrote out from his watch. It's a strangling device. Bond is now, caught. Hang on a second though, because this is, this was to me weird because it, they really had the sound up when he pulls that thing out. Yeah, it clicked. <laughs> yeah, and, and you, you hear it coming out and that element of surprise that should be there, I would think really wouldn't be because you're here, this thing come whipping out of there. You would think uh, if Q designed this, it would be silent. <laughs> <laughs> but Grant yeah. does not work for <laughs> the it does, it does click out like that. It's, yeah. yeah, so it's probably not a great, great uh, gadget, but. Oh, it's a great gadget. It just has to be quieter. <laughs> yeah. So Bond is cautiously looking around, gun in hand, And when Grant emerges from behind the statue, he's behind Bond. Also a nice shot with the light just glinting off of Grant's face, like a quarter moon, kind of a sliver of the moon. This is a perfect shot, as we know now more than Bond knows, because we see Grant behind Bond about to strangle him. He loops the garrote around Bond's neck with his gloved hands and begins to strangle him to death. What are we thinking now? Well, I'm thinking Bond's dead. Yeah. So the lights come on, revealing a villa in the background with floodlights now all lit. Again, we were shocked. What's this all about? 
Yeah, and for a, a, a split second when the floodlights flood the area with illumination, us the viewers are led to believe the assassin has been caught, but there's no urgency. Everything is just matter of fact, mm-hmm. a well-executed, for want of a better word, <laughs> training exercise with Donald Grant again, to me, a flashback to the statues, cold, calculated, expressionless. I almost expected to hear some director go cut like they were filming a scene yeah. with the way yeah. those lights just flooded that area. Yeah. And of course they weren't filming yeah. a scene. Oh wait, it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So out of the shadows comes this guy and it's Morzany. He's looking at a stopwatch, presumably exactly one minute, 52 seconds. That's excellent. Remember that number. If you're ever going to go to a bond trivia contest, that yeah, that's always in there. We, the viewers, of course, still don't know what's going on. We knew more than Bond, but now what? What's going on? Then Morzany bends over the dead Bond and peels off a mask. The dead man's mustached face rolls towards the camera, definitely showing us this is not James Bond. All right. Now, an interesting note when they were filming this and looking at the dailies, we presume, the man looked too much like he could be Bond after the mask was removed. So they put a mustache on him and just <laughs> just to make it clear to us, hey, this is really not Bond, okay? Bond lives. So that's that. Okay, that's cool. Do you know what I always think of is how, I wonder how many times they've actually played this scene out with a different person wearing Bond's mask to get the time down to 1 minute 52. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many people have it sort of used over. Yeah, that's true too. Is it in their training? That 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 always sort of. That's I always good, wonder that when I watch it. That's how a good thought because he was in the in the making of. Yeah, that right. Because he was happy yeah. with one fifty two. Maybe the last one took one fifty six or something. He's like, oh, ah, yeah. no, that's not. <laughs> now Neil Edge from the UK, one of our members of our Facebook group, the worldwide community of spy movie fans, responded to our post about this podcast coming out. And he made a great point that we want to include in the podcast. He said, Connery's the first person to play two different roles in the series. And he's right. Because, of course, he's Bond and the guy pretending to be Bond in this pre-title sequence. Very cool. Thanks, Neil Edge. We love our group and all the bright members in it. And, by the way, they filmed this at Pinewood Studios Garden Complex just outside of London. But wait now, this mask thing, a la Mission Impossible's use of masks, when Morrison, he pulls it off revealing it's not Bond. Let's see how the use of masks have worked before in television and other movies and stuff. One other comment about that mask before I, before I, I do that, because I want to talk about Mission Impossible and stuff. But one other comment about the mask is, I mentioned that his face and his, his complexion seemed more pale. His lips were more red with the makeup. That mask, his lips weren't red. And he was only dead for a second. So it wasn't like all the life had drained out of the thing. So the mask that they had on him really, they, they could have done a better job, I think, with the makeup on it. But anyway, Mission Impossible television series does not start until three years after From mm. Russia with Love was filmed. Right. So here, this film possibly influenced one of the major components of the Mission Impossible TV series and later in the films. Of course, earlier in 1963, The List of Adrian Messenger was released. And it was the first movie we know of to heavily use makeup and facial masks as disguises. And they're peeled off at the end of the film. 
So perhaps From Russia with Love was influenced by the list of Adrian Messenger. It wasn't a spy movie per se, but it heavily used masks and it was done. It was released like six months before this Bond movie. And then it later influences the spy television series, Mission Impossible and subsequent films. There's a great article written about some of this by Jeremy Duns on his website, jeremy-duns.com on April 14th, 2015. It's a great read. He talks about the masks and he also talks about how the garden scene and the statues were inspired by a movie called Last Year at Mirambad. The pre-title sequences deserve a lot of attention to detail, so we're going to do more podcasts like this one. We did a two-part podcast on the whole From Russia With Love movie back in September 2019. If you want to hear more about the movie, you can find it in your podcast app on our channel, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Thanks for listening. This has been Dan Silvestri. Tom Pizzato. I'm Vicky Hodges. With our quick-fire look at the pre-title sequence in From Russia With Love. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Subscribe to our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies, right now through your favorite podcast app and on YouTube as well. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it.